when I'm showing her clips of parkour, she's not that interested. But if she's really interested in this story about parkour, that there's something in that. And like, to me, that was like, right, that means that there's other people like her who are also going to be interested in the story of parkour. What's up, guys? Today's guest is internationally recognized for releasing documentaries about the parkour and freerunning community. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Jimmy the Giant. What's up, man? Hello, hello. I like that intro. That was nice. And the snapper, he has a little snapper. You might not have seen it. It has my name on it. I feel like I'm, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't always show the behind the scenes. There we go. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's sick. Yeah, I'm good, man. Nice to meet you properly. I know this is pretty insane. Uh, you're one of like the few guests where this is like our actual first time. I think like having a conversation like is on the Jamcast. Dude, like I, the, I remember finding you so long ago from lot, like Lost Boys, but I didn't know much about it. So it's like I'd see people training with that shirt. It would say like LB. I'd see it, and I'd have no idea what it was. But it was always the cool guys who would wear it, and I was always like curious who it was about. And then I found you, and then I saw you on like MTV and shit. So. Wild. Yeah, it's cool to be chatting to you, man. It's crazy, man. That just shows that like you've been uh, a part of this community forever because I feel like a lot of the new gen kids will have no idea what you're talking about as far as that shirt goes. But like 10 years ago, I had guys like all over the world that weren't even on the team wearing them in competitions. It blew my mind. It was popping. I think it was like, I'm guessing it was more trickers because that's how I sort of heard about it. It was through a lot of trickers, but then there were, it was like this crossover where like free runners were into it. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah, like back in the day, like, a brand like Reach Escape was another one. A brand would like be worn all over the planet and the company probably wouldn't really even realize how big they are. Like, because they, they were the, the only few that were there at the time, you know? Yeah, it's crazy, man. Things things have uh, progressed so much. And since then, I mean, there's been countless number of companies and parkour teams and, and brands, quote unquote, that have popped up, which you've even made episodes about and stuff like that. But uh, how long have you personally been uh, in the parkour and free running community? I think it's 10 years, I think. Maybe 11 now, but like, yeah, I think in the community, probably not like training my hardest the whole time, but always with my ear to the floor sort of thing for about 10 years, I reckon. Okay. And where, where, are, you, uh, where are you primarily located? Like what city are you at over there in the UK? So I'm, I'm from a town called, well, Dunstable, but no one knows what Dunstable is. So if I say that, no one knows. Luton has an airport, so people know Luton. So I'll say Luton. Uh, but Luton is like, if London's here, Luton's like here. It's a really crappy town that people only know for the airport. That's literally all we got going for us. <laughs> <laughs> but like to answer, to answer like where I started with trading, it was uh, a town called St. Albans, which is between Luton and London. It's like a, it's a very affluent area. It's really nice. And it was kind of strange. Like we were the baggy jogger kids who were like pests basically in this quite affluent neighborhood or town rather. Um, but yeah, it had a good scene. It was like popping back in yeah, 2010, I'd say. Really popping back then, yeah. That is super dope, man. And then like how far into your career did you actually like, I guess, for lack of a better term, like uh, meet up and formulate, you know, like Team Marrero back in the days? Damn. Uh, I think that happened in like 2016, sort of like around then. Okay. Like they were the people I always trained with, but we never really had a name because in St. Albans where we we're training, there's probably... Three or four of us who were like quite into filming and like you know like making videos and it never really like came together as a team and some of these guys have been in the scene for a long time and were good and like good athletes but they never we never really came into the idea of like a team 
because I think around like 2010, at least where I was from, the idea of a team was like sort of seen a little bit cringy. Like the old the old heads were sort of like, oh no, it's like commercial and shit. So we were kind of always like talked away against it and we never really did it. And then when they all stopped, like all the old school guys kind of stopped, we were, it was just us. And like we we're seeing Stora pop up and we we're seeing all these brands and shit. And it was kind of like, why, why are we not just making a team and working together to try and build something? So that was around about 2016, tried to get the brand thing going. And then literally, yeah, it was January this year that that came to an end. So it was about four years of trying to do that. <laughs> that is so crazy, man. Yeah, and it's really funny that you talk about that. You're, you're right, like back in the days, it was more of like viewed as like an individual sport where people were just like personalities on their own. Like Livewire was Livewire, Danny was Danny, you know? And then yeah, over like, the last I think it was years, like, it's almost like anti like attitude towards trying to make money from the sport like it was it was a shame because i feel like we had so many eyes on us back in like 2010 well it was even before my time like 2008 2009 there was a lot of eyes on parkour and had people got a little bit more like switched on financially i don't know it could be at a different place and like the person who was switched on was obviously easy style of urban free flow he was switched on and he just he monopolized the thing you know but it was like, yeah, everyone else was always a little bit, it was a bit of a taboo around the idea of like promoting as a team or trying to make money from it. And it held a lot of people back and it wasn't until that that generation kind of stopped training or weren't like the top guys anymore until the second generation come through. That was when people started really doing the brand thing. Yeah, 100. It's been like such a crazy thing for me to think about and look back on because I was like kind of part of the scene back then. And one of the things that I really wish that we had was I wish that social media was more of like a, a part of the sport back then. Like when I was hosting the MTV show for MTV's Ultimate Parkour Challenge, none of us had Instagram. Like we barely had like a Twitter account. And I was like, I don't even care about this. You know, I really wish that back in the days when we had all that spotlight and viewership on parkour, that it was almost, you know, more modern day. Like I really wish that that yeah. stuff had happened five years later, you know? If it happened now, yeah, it'd be totally different because people would be able to capitalize or just at least build their audiences a bit better. Um, but I think everyone kind of, I don't know, there was like this weird attitude back then where I think people had seen skateboarding and how skateboarding worked and they saw, right, you get on MTV and then everyone knows your name and then you like travel around the world. And I think, and I might I might be wrong, but this was like as a youngster because when I was, when all that was happening, like the MTV Ultimate um, Parkour Challenge was on, I was quite young. And like, I think those guys probably just sort of rolled with it because they assumed that like the industry would just take it and make its own thing. But after the fad died out, it was kind of like thrown aside. It was like, well, parkour's not that cool anymore. And then it was left in the hands of the sport, which in my opinion is better because you know, the people who love it are the ones who are gonna really get something cool out of it. Um, but yeah, it was kind of just interesting to see it go through that sort of rise and then almost fall. And then now it feels like it's growing and it's like proper, you know, we're getting there. It's getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. There's almost like a, a resurgence, like even here locally in LA, like I would, I felt like for the last like five years or so, it kind of like died off. Like there used to always be like weekly meetup groups, you know, like local parkour groups and stuff. And just within like the last couple of years, uh, within Los Angeles, you're starting to see like groups get together and train on the weekends again. And it's like this like revival and renaissance within parkour. It's really dope to see. Yeah, man, it's the second wave for sure. Second golden era or something like that. Like I've, I've had a lot of conversations with people that are like something's happening. Something in the scene is happening. Like this year has been so cool for parkour. And it's, it's weird when people are like talking about, you know, obviously a pandemic happened and everyone's like 2020 sucked and that. And I'm just like, I don't know, in my world, like, 2020 was quite cool like you know like all these brands were like doing shit like you know most projects put out their thing and it's like more people are like taking youtube seriously and they're like 
we'd often get people that would try and get onto YouTube and then they would come and go because they would try something it didn't work straight away and they'd drop off and just more and more people seem to be like committing to making proper projects and it's like yeah I, I think this conversation has been like had quite a bit where people feel like it's something something's happening and you know I think it's great to see that again because there's an excitement around it and that's why I feel like I timed my channel and all this like I'm one of those people who sort of believe in you know stuff happens at the right time for the right reason sort of thing it feels like it's guided in a way and it was like I feel like my channel the idea for that came to me at the right time where like people wanted that people were like wanting the more in-depth more thought out storytelling sort of thing and it kind of happened at the right time and it's down yeah 100 man and it's really really funny that you talk about that because you did time it out almost perfectly like um i think like the video that you put out uh like january 20th was when you you basically put out a video was like what i wish i knew before starting in a brand and you basically talked about the end of the marrero gang and everything that happened within you guys and stuff like that and i think like one thing that's very unique and was cool about it was you were given basically the permission to take over the youtube channel to make it your own personal platform to, you know, continue to push these documentaries and, and specials that you've been doing and stuff like that. Uh, like how difficult was that? Was that like an easy conversation or was that a tough one to have with the team? You know, that's a tough question. That's a tough uh, conversation to have for sure. Like, um, yeah, like I kind of spoke on it in the video that like one of the guys wasn't too cool with it, but I saw a phrase that like, like everyone else was, everyone was like super, you know, they get it. Cause throughout Marrero, I was like the guy who ran it and it was, you know, the videos would be uploaded by me, they'd be edited by me, and like proportionately, I did like most of it. And obviously I wasn't doing uh, the training to any kind of level, and I'm never trying to act like I was, but I wasn't doing the training to the level. So on camera, the other guys, you know, that was their thing. But when it came to like running it and doing it as a brand, that was always me. And when it got to this point where, I mean, I'm, I'm 25, and it was like, I got to this point where I need to like work out what I'm doing in my life. And the year prior, I got into marketing, got like a proper job, and I was like, you know, I'm, I was at this crossroads where I was like, do I quit and or do I do this job? Do I go down marketing and just like do it hard, like really go for it and like, you know, get high up in the marketing game? Or do I go and do parkour? Like, do I try and just make something out of the parkour world? And it was like, well, I know Marrero Gang, we've been doing it for four years and, the, you know, like, it slowly, but, but nothing big had happened. And the, there was no, like, waves, there was nothing. Like, you know, it, was, it wasn't happening. And it was like, I either try at the same thing that I've tried for four years at that hasn't really had any major traction, or I just flip it and just try it totally from scratch and just see what I can do. And I remember when I had that conversation, it was, it was like, well, it was like hard, but like Greg, who was in the team, uh, and like he's the world chase tag captain type thing. Yeah. He took it like so well. Like, I remember when he first, when I first said it to him, it was like, it was like, Kieran, like, I'm gonna have to think about it. Like, you know, it's, you, you're saying something that is totally different than what, you know, we've ever talked about. We've always said we wanted to do this, this and this. And he's like, but I'll think about it. And I really, I'm so thankful you, you responded like that. Cause he like, rather than, you know how like, it's so tempting to just respond straight away in that emotive phase. He was like, no, I'll, you know, I'll think about it. Come back to me and just had a proper conversation. And what's funny is like, I said to Greg, like, look, I always want to work with you. And if there's opportunities to work with you, I will work with you. And it's like, I, I want this to build up me, but in the same time, I still want to help work with you and do anything in the future. And then one of the other guys didn't take it like that. And we've kind of cut ties sort of thing. And I haven't spoken to him since, but me and Greg are like now working on this project for Wild Chase Tag that might create a sort of steady revenue stream and 
for both of us potentially work on like a job within what we're doing and it's like you know them ones where it was kind of like he just trusted me it was like Kieran if you say that or Jimmy <laughs> if you say that you you know I believe you like, I believe in what you're going to do and it's kind of worked out now that we're you know we went like that we we're separate and it's like kind of come back and he's doing what he's good at which is the world chase tag thing and I'm doing what I'm good at which is like the content creation you know like it's worked out in a good way. I swear I'm rambling so much, but <laughs> you're asking good questions. No, that's exactly that's exactly what a podcast is for. So we can get these like in-depth answers that like you don't always come across just from like what we see on your channel and stuff like that. So I appreciate the insight, man. And uh, when you when you took over the channel, do you remember how many subs you guys were at then? It was like four thousand, like four point five or something. That's crazy. And I remember that it was like your goal, I believe, that you said you wanted to hit 10K by the end of 2020. And right now you're at like 35K. So you've smashed the goal. <laughs> yeah, man. That is such a, it was such a blessed feeling. Like, yeah, that was, I don't know. Because I, I said it took four years to get to that point. But then, yeah, the first video just hit. Yeah, I just went. I'm like, oh shit, something's happening and it's just kind of skyrocketing. And I'm like, my goal now is like 100K next year, but that's a big goal. That's like me being ambitious now, where the first goal is a bit like, this is probably where it'll end up. So 100K, ambitious, 2021, let's go. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Now that's super cool. And you kind of just mentioned it right now, like one of the first videos hit really big and it's it's crazy. Like that first one, which was basically, you know, about easy, how one man nearly destroyed parkour. I think it hit like 1.1 million views and stuff like that. Uh, but more specifically, like, what was it that uh, made you choose that to be, like, one of your first topics and stuff like that? And where do you source inspiration for the videos that you continue to push out? So, you know, what I was saying, like, when I went to quit the Marrera and I was like, I want to go on my own, I had no idea what I was going to make. Like, I was like, I'm one guy who isn't that good at parkour. I know I'm, like, all right talking, but I was like, I had no idea what content I was going to make. So I went to make that... Um, that video is Stora, which was like making music out of it. And I was like, this could be an angle. Maybe I could go down the route of just making music for YouTube. Cause there's a lot of that. But I was like, that isn't where my heart is. Like, I love making music, but making music content for YouTube, like isn't, I don't even watch that stuff that much. So I was like, <laughs> I was just kind of like grabbing at the breeze, like trying to find something. But I had a conversation with my girlfriend over like Christmas time. This was just before, like, in my head, I, I'd quit Marrero, but I hadn't said it something. And I had, my, I had this conversation where I was like, just telling her about the urban free flow story because we were getting to know each other at that point. I think that's where we met. And I was just like talking to her about this time in parkour. And I realized I went on this like rant for like 10 minutes just telling her this story. But I could like see in her eye that she found it really interesting. And it was it was that that like clicked something to me. Because I was like, if her, who's not someone into parkour, when I'm showing her clips of parkour, she's not that interested. But if she's really interested in this story about parkour, that there's something in that and like to me that was like right that means that there's other people like her who are also going to be interested in the story of parkour so i was like okay i'm just gonna make this video put it out hope it gets a good reception and see whatever happens and then i put it out it gets like 10,000 views quick which is like i'd never even i think i had hit 10,000 views on music but on a parkour video it never hit and it did it like quick, it was like a week or two. And then I did the Stora thing. I think that happened just after it. <laughs> and then the new like subscribers from that, it was like 1000 subscribers or something, but it like kicked it into the algorithm. Like there was a spike in views and I thought, all right, it's gonna go up and then it will just come back down and it will be like normal. It just like spiked and then it went straight up. And I think it fundamentally, it comes down to that idea that people like stories and anyone can connect with a good story. Like 
to understand parkour, like if I'm gonna watch a 20 minute video of parkour, like just parkour, I have to understand why parkour is interesting, like the landings or the takeoff or like the movement. The average, like Joe is gonna probably enjoy it for about minutes, two minutes, but beyond that, it's all the same to them because they don't have the same understanding or whatever. But everyone can enjoy a good story and people watch on YouTube, like content around people like cutting grass and, and shit like that. Like, I, it just sort of made sense to me. It was like, this is what people want. And it see at the moment, it seems like it's working. And the ones that are more story driven seem to be the videos that perform the best for me. So yeah, I think that's it. That's, that's a super dope story, man. Much, much credit to, uh, to your girlfriend, I guess, for also being part of the inspiration and stuff. That's dope. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like she, she's great, but like, she's top girl. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. And so like, with that being said, like, uh, ever since you started with that first one, you've actually released, I think it's 17, like mini for quote unquote, lack of a better word, like 17 mini documentaries that you've done covering different aspects of parkour and free running within the community and stuff like that. And how long does it take you to formulate each one of these? Like, is there a research process and what exactly goes into putting out, you know, these final products that we get to see on YouTube? I actually didn't know it was 17, so that's quite, I'm quite impressed myself to, to have kept <laughs> that up. That's quite impressive. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, there's definitely, a, it's, a, it's a long process to, to make them, but it's, some are different than others. So at the moment I went on holiday, so I had a week somewhere and I didn't have enough time to make a load of content. So I was like, but I need to still keep up the schedule. So I, I can work out some videos are gonna take less time than others. So the top 10 list, I did the top 10 free runners like not too long ago. And then, pardon me, I'm doing like another top 10 free runners this week. So it's like top 10 most creative free runners this one. Then they're quite easy because for that, it's like you literally just make a list of 10 and then just say what you like about them and show footage of it. That's quite easy because you can just download all of that and put it. But the ones that are hard are when it's like you're trying to find out a story that you don't know already. So do you know when, when you're putting this episode out? Uh, most likely, I think next Friday. Next Friday. Okay, I won't tell you this one. But So there's one that's like an evolution of parkour video that I'm working on. And something like that where I don't know where it started and I don't know who done what and stuff like that. They're harder because... I don't want to tell everyone on my Instagram like what I'm doing, but I, will, I also want to find out who knows the information. So like I have probably just from years in the scene, just like I've met loads of people and I know who roughly to ask. And I know like the parkour nerds, like there's a lot of people that aren't like super well known, but they know everything about parkour and they are the best people to talk to. I, uh, um, maybe three weeks. So I tend to have it rolling where I've like wrote a lot of scripts and um, I tend to write them as scripts and I've, I'll, I'll get like a bunch of scripts done and then I'll figure it out. I'll be like, okay, that one's going to take longer. We can, we can work on that during a process and I'll do another video in that time. But I'd say like on average, I would shoot a video in a day, maybe two days, but let's say a day. I would write a video. If it's an easy video where I know it's probably a day. Um, if it's a video that's going to take time, maybe two weeks or something, maybe a week, and then I'll edit it across. It used to take me a lot longer. It used to be like five days to edit. Now it's got down to about two days. So it's probably a week-ish, but that's a week of like full days and I work a full-time job. So I have to like figure it out with like weekends and after work and stuff like that. So 
Yeah, it, it, it's a lot of time, and it's definitely if, if a video is more involved, it's gonna be longer to make effectively. But I'd say between one week on an easy video and a month maybe on like a hard video. That's super cool. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, especially with balancing. I totally know all about that too. Like the Jamcast right here is just basically for fun. It's just like a passion project on the side, whereas, you know, my career is is something completely different from this. And so like uh, like over the course of your videos, I mean, I've even helped give you some insight on like your most recent one about free runners making money and stuff like that. I've, I've seen you also been able to like get answers from guys like, you know, Tim Sheaf and things like that. Are most guys pretty receptive to helping you out with these videos and like giving information? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like people are super helpful because, you know, they love it and they want the stories out there, which is so everyone kind of wins. But like speaking of Tim Sheep was probably like the most, the coolest thing that's probably come out of this because when I was growing up, Tim Sheep was like probably my main idol, like one of them at least. And he quit just when I started to meet all these people and start to know all the like, quote unquote, like pro free runners or big free runners or whatever. So it's like, Tim was the one I never met, whereas I've met everyone else and I'm like close friends of like most other free runners, at least in the UK scene. But Tim was the one I hadn't ever met. So Tim, in my head, is still that image I had when I was young, where it's like, he's like the fan, I'm a fanboy to him and he's like this god. So when he like, I, I don't know how that came about, I think it was through Giles, but Giles like said that Tim had seen one of my videos or something, or he showed Tim a video and I wanted to get in touch about the flow video. Um, and obviously he knew everything about that. So like we got talking, it was just like so cool, man. He's so interesting, but that's, that's about Tim. But like other athletes, yeah. Like I just messaged him on, on Instagram. I know a lot of guys. There are some guys I don't know, like yourself. I didn't, I didn't really know you. I think maybe we'd spoke once or twice, um, but most people just want to talk about it because it's their passion at the end of the day. And it's like, they, they want people to know about it. I've never been able to speak to Pasha though. <laughs> ah. I've never been able to get a hold of Pasha. <laughs> so that's the one I can't get a hold of. So yeah. Well, yo, if you have a topic that you need, let me know. I got the cell phone number. I'm, I'm working with, on Pasha with the project right now. So I would go out on a limb to connect you guys. Just let me know. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not even that he's like seen my messages. So I'm guessing he just like it's in his request. He's never seen it. So I appreciate that though. I definitely would take that up because He's, I talk about him so much on my channel, I realize it, because he's coming up in this next video that's coming out. I'm like, I've never even spoke to the guy, so. And he's so interesting, man. I'd love to, I want to make this series where I like follow around free runners and like learn about them and document them as like people. And Pash is like the dream episode of that one day, because I think he's probably got a really interesting story in him, I reckon. Oh, totally. He was one of my favorite guests that I've had on this show by far. Like I was just laughing the entire time, but also like looking at him the same way that you looked at Tim, like he's someone that I've, I've watched the entire time, the duration of my career. And even when I was working for Red Bull on the art emotions, he was the guy that was, you know, a two time defending champion. And so he's always been this like iconic guy that I've looked up to and to, to see him humanized and sit down and talk with him like as a person over the last few years, it's just been so so surreal to be like. I'm yeah. seeing my is, he, right is now. he quite? Is he quite like elusive? Like he keeps to himself, sort of thing. I get, I get the impression he does. He's like very. He's like a very private person considering that he has like one of the biggest followings in the world besides Dom Tomato, obviously like that. But yeah, he's a, he's a very soft-spoken person. Um, he has like a small handful group of friends. That, you know, he's with the guys in the Risk House that they just released online. So he just lives and kind of hangs out with that same small group of people, you know? That's sick. I really wrote that. Like he, he I've, I've started to have this affinity towards Latvia. <laughs> like from making these videos, man. It's like Latvia is such an interesting place. Yeah. 
Like it seems to just make creative people and it seems so in their culture to be creative. Like one of the, um, I spoke to this guy uh, when I was doing the like the progression of the flip precision and he was from Latvia and he was telling me about Latvia and he was saying it's like, they have these festivals where people are in like the city center, there's hundreds of thousands of people there. They're like dancing, they're singing, they're just like celebrating art effectively. And it's like, it just seems like it's really in their culture to be creative and before, doing any of this stuff, I never really knew that. And if you look at all the like really creative free runners, a lot of them are from Latvia or near enough around there. Like Oleg, yeah, yeah. Pasha, Stan- Stanislav, I forget how you say his name, but Stanif- Stanis, I forget how to say it, but those guys, I think they're all from Latvia, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, 100%. I even asked Pasha, like, hey, have you ever gone to the uh, the famous bar section that Oleg used to train at and release all his videos on? And he's like, hell no, Oleg killed that spot. I don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'll give you a spoiler, like, because uh, my video will probably be out in the next few days, but Oleg and Pasha are both on my creative top 10 creative list. And um, Oleg, I like, I, I always keep an eye on what Oleg does. But I hadn't really checked out his music that much because I, I think when I first heard his music, it was in its early like stages and it was still like developing. And I wasn't that into it. Um, but I recently, like when making this video, I went to his channel and he'd made this film, this like half hour movie mm-hmm. around his music. And it is like nothing I have ever seen in my life. Like it's, it's, it's insane. And I was like, how the fuck did this thing come out? And I'd never heard of it. Like, <laughs> It's, it's so insane. I, like basically in my video that I make, I, ba- I just plug it. I'm like, please go check it out, man. It deserves more than 4,000 views. Like it's so good. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys where I wish he was born like a generation later because he's starting to get a decent following on Instagram with all of his crazy f- stunts he does and parkour. But like, I wish that he was in this generation now where people would have had more access to his clips because this guy is just insane. Insane. Yeah, man. He, I feel like he dropped off the scene and then maybe came back not too long ago. That's why his Instagram, because I, I seem to remember following him and he had like not many followers and it weren't that long ago. And then now it's like grown a quite a bit, which is cool. It's good to see that he's still getting some, you know, publicity in the scene. But yeah, you're right, man. If he was, if he came out like as Pasha was really like popping, he would have been up there with Pasha for sure. Because he's just got that same kind of style, like that action comedy and that kind of like you watch it and you like have a reaction like an emotional reaction you laugh and it's like that's so fascinating to me like that reaction you get because it's what you get with dance like when you watch a dancer you react to it like you you, you feel something but when you see most free runners move you're kind of like oh that's cool like that's the feeling you get but with like pasha and oleg it's way more than that it's like oh that's interesting or it makes you laugh or like in the film that I'm talking about, he actually makes you like feel something for him in his movement. It's like this almost like motivation or like striving for something that he puts across in the way he moves. And it's just, to me, that's so fascinating. Yeah, 100%. I, to- I totally agree with you, man. I think the biggest thing that you said is that it makes you feel something. A lot of times we're just like blown away by seeing it. And we're obviously living in a time where we're oversaturated with movement. Like I literally go through Instagram every day and I'm like, that, that was crazy. That was crazy. That was crazy. That was crazy. But like the people that make you stop and feel something and you like you're, you, you like can see their story within them, you know, those are the people I'm most yeah, intrigued man. with. And I think that was like what Dan, that made Daniel Lillabaka so big back in the day. And it's like, I, I didn't even really know it at the time. I know he did a lot of talking, he would like actually formulate what he meant. But there was just something in the way he moved that really did make you feel something. And like obviously the editing helps and stuff like that, but there was just something in that. 
and I didn't I didn't really con- consciously understand what it was but now like thinking about it as I get older like that's what it is it's like it just speaks to you in this different way and that's something that if people are like watching this and they're like young and they want to stand out in the free running world like don't try and have the biggest running precision or don't try and have like you know quadruple cork or something like try and explore parkour in, this, in a different avenue like an emotive way if you want to stand out and if that's your your goal which i'm not saying it should be but like look at that because i i want to see more athletes that like look at that thing because that to me is interesting like uh jason paul was kind of going in that route like with the dancing sort of thing and um i don't know i think that's maybe like a next wave potentially yeah i agree with you i mean it, it's it's there's no doubt that the impact that Danny had, obviously, through his movement and stuff like that. But, like, some of the, the iconic things about it, I, I have a friend of mine, Bailey Payne, who's just starting to get into, like, parkour as far as releasing clips. He's always watching and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I, I've been putting him on game on, like, a lot of the OG free runners to watch. But he already knew about Danny so much that I mentioned, like, you know, choose to fall, choose not to fall. And he literally started quoting Danny's quote from there word for word. And I'm like how do you know this man? And then obviously shows like the impact it had. I've, I have another buddy, uh, Sam Parham, who was like one of the members of three run. And, uh, I think one of Sam's most impactful videos from back in the day was the parkour poetry where he like read a poem that he had written about it while he's moving. And like to this day, he actually still gets like comments in his DMS from people talking about that video, which is like, yeah, almost a decade old, you know? So impactful. And that's like, I mean, one of the issues that's happened is like, I sound like an old head when I say it, but it's like everyone is just on Instagram and like where I think there is this balance that could happen and where people do it right. It's like, I don't know, it's just like lost its kind of, it hasn't lost it. I think it's coming back, but this was the thing that was was missing was that people were just seeing the, the surface level. And for like me and like so many people like yourself, clearly it's like when you when you were watching these videos, it was like the things they were saying, like the jokes they were making, or like the music that they would edit to. And like one of the unfortunate things these days is that you can't really edit to commercial music um, as easily anymore. But the, I, some of my favorite songs growing up, like Letters From The Sky, that was the, I don't even know who the artist was, but I just remember that because of the Kai Willis video. Oh, and I just remember that bit where like, it comes in, it's like, duh, 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 and it's like, shit like that. And like the, the Storm Volume 1 music. And it's like, they're the things that like, I still think about 10 years on, are people still going to think about the person who's done like another cork at this spot on Instagram and then scrolled up and forgot about that clip? People aren't going to remember that for that long. And I think, I don't know, like, I guess I'm looking at it from a, a, a perception of like artistry and creation. And like, maybe some people just love the athleticism of it and that's all they're bothered about. But I know, I know for a fact there are people who want to get into the artistry, but they're like, they're, all they say, all they see really is the Instagram shit popping and they think that's what you have to do. But I don't know, like, yeah, I feel like there is this angle in parkour that is still untapped, even right now when, like, the sport is at this incredibly high level. And there's this angle that's just untapped, which is the more expressive sort of thing. And it'd be interesting. Like, I would like to see, I was speaking to Flynn Disney, um, who's, like, a London OG, and he does a lot of stuff where he, like, talks about philosophy in his um, Instagram, uh, his Instagram post. And I really like that because... He's a great athlete, puts out great content, but then he explains his thoughts around movement and stuff like that, just an Instagram thing. And it's like, I would love to see videos from like athletes who are really deep and philosophical of their day training, just raw clips of them training, and then them talking about some random interesting philosophy they might have and how it relates back to parkour. Shit like that will probably pop off on the YouTube algorithm if it's done right. 
and it's fucking cool and actually like you know like it, yeah <laughs> i'm kind of going off on a tangent but like that was sort of my idea behind the uh free runners battle in fear sort of thing because it was kind of like philosophy of parkour um in a video and i, I want to do more in that angle but i'd love to see good athletes do stuff like that because i know there's so many athletes with interesting thoughts that if they can articulate it that would make for great videos yeah 100 man i mean I think one of the greatest examples of it that we've had within our present day generation uh, was obviously like Roof Culture that was released by Store. And like I've watched that film multiple times myself, even though I know what's going to happen. And I obviously have seen it, seen it before. But like I watch it because it's more than just like watching them do cool tricks. Like you actually get to see the insight behind what goes into the danger behind it, like being able to escape the police and things like that. You know, I think being able to like humanize these people that we just see as athletes is one of the coolest things about the sport that hopefully more people will tap into. Yeah, man. And it's like there's so much more to these guys, like every free runner I have met. I'm going to make a blanket statement, but every free runner I've met has been very interesting. I, I, maybe there's been a couple that haven't, but it, like the by and large majority of free runners I've met are just like fascinating people outside of parkour. And like, I think the people um, who have the most to offer are the ones who are the most interested outside of just their movement. And it sort of sounds like, I know there's probably very uh, purist, not purist, but like people who just focus on the movement. Uh, who probably listen to me and think I, I like talk in a way that's like too abstract and like it's pointless and it's a bit like uh, I don't know a word but like I don't know man I think there's more to a sport than just the um, the the physical achievements like the reason people love football in my country is because it gives them something to like love like someone I was talking to today Marcus from World Chase Tag he was like saying there was a study and I haven't fact checked this but there was a study where it was like um, a, a warehouse or like a, a, a workshop, where, you know, somewhere that employs people, their local town football club, if they didn't win the game on the Sunday, there would be no point of them coming in on Monday because they will not work hard. Like they will never work. But if they win on the, on the Sunday, they will work like crazy hard on the Monday. And it's like because that gives people this, this deeper thing to love. And it's like it drives people's lives. And that's why, like, all this shit is so important to me, because despite the movement, like, I love moving and I love pushing myself. But to me, it's the whole, like, parkour is in every inch of me now. Like, everything I do, every way I think about it is, is just everything I know. And trying to add more into that, like, give people more of that. Like, the story behind it is what I love doing. And I think there is more scope to be done in that world. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think that's part of the reason why there have been so many people, especially within the United States. I don't know about over there in the UK, but uh, there's been so many individuals that have ridden the wave of success from shows like Ninja Warrior because it not only gets to show their physical prowess and their abilities, but they always do these, you know, little like five, couple minute video hits telling the backstory of this person, the adversity that they face in their lives and what they've overcome to get to this point. And I think that's why, you know, so many of them have become these like pivotal figures that have, you know, 100,000 plus followers online and stuff like that. It's because people want to be able to connect with you at a deeper level and realize you're just a human at the end of the day. And it's just all the extra time you put into training that allows you to do these other things. But at the root of it, you know, you're born the same way as I was. And that's what makes yeah. you special, you know. Well, that's it. Because the whole thing is it like, as you say, it humanizes people. Because when you scroll through Instagram, you see like Dom do a diving front. Like he's not human. So the average person that watches that, he's not human, you know, like in their eyes, he's not human. And if every clip then is just that, 
he's not a human, he's not attainable. But the moment you see him speak and fuck around in his vlogs and he's just like being funny, he's now a human. What he's just achieved, that dive in front or whatever, is now physically within the realms of you achieving it. And it's sort of like, it's like that. It's like, the more you humanize it, the more you can inspire people to achieve what is seen as impossible. When they know that you're just like them, that's when they it inspires people to join it. Because otherwise it's just like a superhero thing. It's just like this spectacle. It's not something that's like tangible to them. It's, I think you, yeah, you, you, the more you humanize it, the more we'll find that parkour grows and that more people get into it, to be honest. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Hopefully some people are listening to our words right now and put some more thought into it because I would love to see more of that side from a lot of the guys out here and stuff like that. And so uh, as you continue to like release content and obviously you're riding this wave of success as far as growing your channel and views and subscribers and stuff like that, uh, one of the things I've always wanted to ask you is like, do you face any issues with like copyright copyrighted stuff, especially because you're like using clips and things like that? Have you run into any issues and problems where you've had to like re-upload a video or completely like change the approach that you have because of that? Yeah, a couple of times. There's not been loads and none of them have been too drastic. Music is probably the easier one. Um, people always wonder about music, but you just get copyright free music. It's never going to be as good, but it's, it's always fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I find that some of the Red Bull stuff, when I was trying to upload that recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you try to upload the Red Bull stuff, they don't like that. But I asked Jason and he was like, oh no, they, they don't mind it. You just have to uh, apply for a license. So they, if you go on the Red Bull hub, there's like a media thing. You can get a license to use that footage. So something like that. So I've had that. I've had Red Bull. Um, and I've, I've had demonetization on like two videos, I think. So that was the Urban Free Flow one, which is just so ridiculous. Like that video is so like uh, what you'd expect. You know, the most successful video is the one that gets demonetized. But that that one was like because I talked about his crimes and like the nature of his crimes being like sexual crimes. They they demonetize that, I think, and that's the problem with YouTube. You kind of have to work it out yourself. It's not really like they tell you. Um, and then the uh, Instagram one, like how parkour, how Instagram killed parkour. I think that one got like shadow banned, and that's because it had the video of um, uh, Mustang wanted hanging off a crane like quite early. And I think that that whole shit is like. YouTube's like, no, we're not having any of that stuff. And that video, I'm pretty sure it shadow banned because it was like growing really well. Yeah, like it was yeah. on a good trajectory and then just went and it's never gained anything from that. And it just happened in like an instant at the same time it got demonetized. I was like, oh, that sucks. But so that video could have been probably bigger. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've not had too many things, but you kind of learn the game. Like you learn what you're allowed to do and learn what you're not allowed to do. So it's one of the, it's, it's a shame about YouTube because I, I remember the days when YouTube was just like a war zone. Like you could do whatever, and that was cool. But like, you now have to limit your creativity to an extent. Like you can't. I don't swear, and I swear a lot when I talk, because um, I would get demonetized. Uh, what else? Just like music. Like you can't just pick any old song. You have to be really conscious of like jokes you make. And yeah, it's just yeah, I'm complaining for no real reason. So I fucking love it, but it's just there are like hurdles, you know. It's, there are things you have to think of when you're making the stuff. Totally, totally. And at this point now, like obviously, you've released some super hot topics and things that a lot of people have already discussed. Like, uh, how do you formulate your next video ideas? And like, do you think you'll ever run out of concepts, or how do you source these like new inspiration for videos? I have so many people ask me that. Like, I remember the the second video I put out. 
he said Jimmy can't keep this up he's gonna run out of ideas but now like for real I have this list of probably like a hundred plus ideas where I just like I'll be walking about my day and I'll have an idea for a title like it always starts with titles I'm always like come up with a clickbait title and then write that down and then struck and then just put it in a list and then when I come to writing a video just pick one of the list that I find the most eye grabbing for me it's like I have a marketing brain now because of this job and it's like I know that if I scroll for a list and one of them stands out to me straight away that's probably the one to make sort of thing um but yeah I can't even remember the question <laughs> yeah what were you what uh, it's, uh, it's uh, how, how do you I guess it was like how do you think of like new ideas and stuff like that but I guess you say pops in your head yeah 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 so yeah, like I have this massive list and they do just pop into my head. Um, but then I do kind of like, there is like a bit of a order to it. Like I'll pick ones at a certain time. Like right now I've done a lot of um, spec. So I did like the top 10 lists, which I like, but they're not like my favorite things to make. Like I enjoy making them, but they're not like a cool in-depth story. So my channel has been lacking a story for a while. So I need to like find one that's a story driven thing. Um, that's like going to be the next thing. And I kind of just go through waves of like what fascinates me. But in terms of coming up with ideas, I tend to, yeah, they, a lot of them do just come to me or, and I'll not make any bones about it, I just rip off other YouTubers. Like <laughs> if I, I watch so many like skaters and I watch so many uh, BMX, I don't watch as many BMXs, but I've seen like a lot of their stuff. And often I'll just see something pop up that's like an eye-catching sentence, you know, like the, the title. I'll screenshot it and go, that's cool. And I'll like make a spin of it because I always think you're your best um, example of your audience, half sort of. But like, if it appeals to me, it's probably going to appeal to other people like me. And um, so I tend to like copy people. I say copy. I mean, it's not really, but like I'll watch people like Skate or Die, or um, John John Hill is like a massive inspiration for me. Like I've emailed him because I was like, bro, I fucking love you so much. Like, I gave him the fanboy email. I was like. And this was recently. I cut you right off as like I was 16. I was like, I was like, I was like, bro, I love you. I love your content so much. I just wanted to thank you because you've given me so many ideas for my channel. It's completely changed my life. Like I'm about to go full time with it next year and shit. And um, he got back and he was like, oh, amazing, man. I'm so glad to hear that. And he was like, your channel's cool and shit. So yeah, I just like follow people. I don't really copy anyone in the free running world just because the, the the stuff that's being made in the free running world isn't like the angle I do. So. I won't see a Stora video and it won't give me an idea like, oh, I need to do this, like Stora, because I used to sort of think like that back when I was doing Marrero, but now it's like, to be honest, what's coming out of the parkour world just isn't what I'm making. So I look for things elsewhere. Not to say like, I don't love the parkour YouTube scene, there's so much cool shit, but it's just not what I'm making. And I think that's almost a good thing. Like I'm trying to just pluck inspiration elsewhere, bring it into the parkour world and then put my spin on it and do my thing of it. Hell yeah. Now that makes lots of sense. And now just along the lines of like your own personal story and like, you know, a little insight into like, uh, you know, I feel like this could be its own topic on its own, maybe if, even if it's a short one, but, uh, where did Jimmy the giant come from? Because, you know, I, I know like from reading interviews or like seeing, you know, like the stuff, uh, on, on, uh, like UK news about back when you guys were doing Marrero and world chase tag and they did stories on you and Greg, obviously your real name is Kieran Owen, right? So where did Jimmy the giant come from? Uh, it's, I hate I hate this because it's never as interesting as I, I, I would like it to be. I wish there was a really good story to it, isn't it? <laughs> it was like, again, when I have ideas, I just put it in my phone's notes and I just write like lists of stuff. And um, I was like needing a name to put out a song, like a really bad song I, I made ages ago. I was like, I need a name because I used to do like dubstep 
or house music. Oh, fuck, someone made some mad noise. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, I used to do like house music and dubstep and stuff like that. And um, I was crap, like really bad. And then I, I started making hip hop. Someone just said, oh, you should give it a go. So I, I just started making it. The first thing I made was 10 times better than any of the dubstep stuff I made. So I was like, right, I'm going to just do hip hop now. And um, so I was like, I had this one track. I was like, right, I, need a, I need a name. So I like scrolled through the list of just shit that I write. And one of them said Jimmy Bangs. And I was like, that's quite funny. Cause at the time I wasn't really like taking it serious at all. I was like, you know how a lot of people do with music? They're like, oh, it's just kind of a joke. Especially, especially white guys in rap. I've noticed this is a common thing is that when you first get into it, or should I say probably more like, yeah, like people who just aren't into rap originally, or like you wouldn't expect. They, they go to do, <laughs> they go to like make a track and they, they're happy with it, but they're embarrassed to put it out. Because it's like, it just, you think people are going to judge you or it's going to be like cringy or something, right? So, and I was like, I was a nerdy kid is what I mean to say. Like I weren't, I weren't rapping, you know, I weren't like all my other friends who would rap. I weren't like that. And um, I was like, right, I need a name. I'm just going to pick a stupid name because it'll be funny. And then I picked Jimmy Bangs. And then I was like, over time, I started taking music seriously. I just got over myself and stopped being like weird about it. I was like, no, I'm going to take this seriously. There's nothing embarrassing about making music. It's all music at the every, at the end of the day. And then I was like, all right, I don't want to totally change it because some people knew me as Jimmy Bangs. So I was like, I need Jimmy in there somehow. And I was like really into Tyler, the creator at the time, like super into him. And I was like, I love, I love the kind of like name, the something. And um, so I was just like, Jimmy, and I was like, the giant, that kind of sounds cool, it rolled off the tongue. And I was like, I'm not tall. So it's like kind of like a play on that as well. Um, so I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And it just stuck. Like, it's really, it's really that. I've made it sound like more of a story than it really is. It's literally, I didn't have a clue what to call myself. I called myself something. <laughs> <laughs> that's super funny, man. It, it's definitely stuck. And I think for, for those of your viewers that have no idea and people that are even like listening to this podcast right now, um, I mean, I know that you've had like a, a huge involvement in music over the time and songs from like Catching Vibes to Bag em Up, uh, Trying to Make Bills and stuff like that. Do you still record music at this point or is it just more something oh, yeah, you do in yeah, off time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have this really like grandiose idea of where I'll be in like five years or something. And um, I really want to, like, I'm, the issue is, is now I've got a bit better with making music, is that my standard for what I put out is a lot higher, and I find it hard to be, like, I'm not one of those people who hate everything they make, but it's sort of like, I'm just a bit like, hey, it's good, it needs to be better. Um, but I'm working on, like, a body of music, and I'm just trying to build up a good back catalogue of music. So I'm probably not going to put out, like, big albums and stuff, but just EPs. Um, but the idea, like long term, is I want to do what Tyler Crater did skateboarding to parkour because mm -hmm. he was like a skater at his core. And like everyone he knew, all the creatives that helped him along the way were just skateboarders he knew. And I was like thinking to myself, and this has always kind of been the goal, was like, I just want to kind of make a personality in the parkour world that people like, like, you know, and people like will resonate with, I suppose. Like I'm similar to a lot of people, I guess. And then I want to like put out music that they genuinely love. And eventually, like, I'm not saying it's there. Yeah, I think the newest EP was like a step up from everything else I did. All I hate, like, but the EP I'm still happy with, you know. Um, but then there's the stuff I'm working on now, which is cool. And I want to put out music that people are really like, they're really messing with. And then I want to, I've been like collecting just a few people in the parkour scene. They're not like famous free runners or anything, but they're like free running fans. They love parkour. And I, I'm just getting them together to make like a collective. And I want to make like a parkour hip hop collective. I want to like 
travel around countries, going to like different parkour jams, do like the after parties, like put on these shows at the end, have like music videos at like, I don't know, IMAX. And I just want to like rep the scene, but give it in like this tangible way that like people outside the parkour world can be like, shit, that's cool what they're doing. Like, like they were with Tyre Crater. It's like, oh, skateboarding's now cool. And it's like, I just feel the more you can add to that, the, the cooler it is, you know? Hell yeah. No, that's super dope, dude. I, I love some of your tracks. They're, they're super catchy, man. And now you've, you've alluded to it like over the course of this interview that you actually have to like maintain a balance between uh, making these videos and obviously working a normal job and stuff like that. So kind of like two part question, like what are you currently doing right now full time? And do you ever think that you will make just your video creation a full time career and job? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, the job I work at the moment is marketing, so I just do like social media marketing. It's been a blessing that job, man, because it was like I was always a person who's never wanted to get a full time job. Um, real, just like hippie kind of thing growing up. And over time, I, I've learned to just love the pursuit of making money now. <laughs> Whereas, like, when I was young, I just didn't, I weren't with that at all. <laughs> and it was like I didn't like the idea of getting some conformed job to like going to office. I had all these like pre. Uh, pre-existing like ideas or something I don't know like presumptions about that life and then I got into it because I found like my mate going to market and I was like marketing is kind of interesting because it's creative and you come up with ideas you make videos and so that's everything I like so got into that um, and realized that all my ideas of adulthood making money was all completely wrong and that like life is essentially what you make it like you can make that fun like that can be the thing and uh, yes, yeah, so I got into that and that like I really grew up like I've worked there for two years and it really just like changed how I think about probably everything. It's made me more structured, made me more like end goal, long term orientated, like less short term. Um, just, yeah, like have more belief and trust in the world and stuff like I know it sounds crazy, but it's just the idea that, you know, all my previous thoughts were just completely squashed. Um, so getting into that, I started like yeah, I started getting into that and like getting paying prizes and like doing well and I like, got promoted and shit. But then it comes to this point where like my YouTube channel is now like popping and it's, I say that, I mean, I'm still a long way to go, but like it's, it's definitely on the trajectory. And it's now like I could genuinely go full time right now and I'd be making a, like a decent amount of money, but I'm just like hesitant to do it because I kind of want this, I just want to know there's stability or at least I know there's never going to be full stability. But like, I want to know there's some stability with it. So like, what my plan of action is, is to release a few bits of merchandise. Like I have this cool idea that I'm working on, top secret, nearly nearly ready. Um, but it's like different, it's not clothing, it's like something a bit different. I want to see how that sells. And then I have another idea. And if these make me like a good amount of money, then I'm going to just keep that as savings. Plus what I've already made from Jimmy the Giant and just basically have money in that account that I can just commit you know and just be like right if i just commit half a year and if i'm not at this point by that time or if it's not feeling stable at that time then i can just go back you know i've invested however much money into that dream and it might not have worked um but i'll at least know that i can always pay my bills and do that for the next you know like half a year at least i i'm very like optimistic now i think it'll be like january or february it's it's just one of the ones man. It's the, it's the taking the leap thing and i remember when i was like doing Marrero, i was like but yeah, taking the leap is going to be easy, man. When I can see it's due, I'm just going to do it. But like now when it's like real, where it's like I have to pay bills 
and like there is a security in my job it's like i know that if i go to work i'm gonna get paid there's that security and when you're older and you got a girlfriend like you want to buy a house and that the idea of taking the, the leap just becomes that big that bigger thing um but it's, it's so close and i know i'm gonna do it just have to be like if i hit these two targets that i've got which is the merch sales and i make that amount of money then it's like all right doing it <laughs> so what's this space maybe like what two three months maybe Sick. Okay. Hell yeah. And now along the lines of that, man, and uh, it's something that I ask everyone that comes on on the show uh, so that I can kind of just continue to watch their journey and stuff like that before we get out of here. Where do you personally see yourself five years from now? And then where do you see yourself 10 years from now? God damn. <laughs> Tell you what, <laughs> like, like to me, I reckon five years, I want to have like a million subscribers in five years. I want to be fully living off it but not like hand in mouth i want to be like you know earning a decent wage i'd like to employ a few people i want to like give a few free runners like cool opportunities like working on stuff hopefully like expand it this is five years right so (laughs) do that i want to have like maybe like two full albums of music out i want to have done i want it to be like every year i'm doing like a tour around parkour events of music um I have a merch line, like a, a brand sort of thing that like is cool. <laughs> I think that's everyone's goal with clothes. You don't want an uncool brand, but yeah, let's, let's go with that. And then 10 years, I think that's, oh, oh in five years, I want to have like a house, like a deposit on a house and be like paying that. Um, 10 years. I, I'm just going to say as big as I can really. Oh, no, and five years. I want to have had like made a few documentary films, like pay-per-view type thing. Ten years, I want a Netflix film, one hundred percent. Want to have directed and created a film. Um, I want to be a well-known musician. Uh, I don't know about subscribers, but I want to be like big on big YouTuber. You know, not like a a Jake Paul, but like you know, just have a, a strong following on YouTube. Um, and I want to have a parkour gym. I want to have a full company where I'm like employing loads of people. Um, all free runners, hopefully. I'm not going to be prejudiced. <laughs> Skateboarders are welcome as well. But like, uh, yeah, hopefully I could just employ it. Like, how cool would that be? Just like, have this whole business of free runners. Um, and probably be married and have kids at this point and like not own my house because that's probably unrealistic, but like have paid a lot of my mortgage. That's nice thinking about that, man. I have never actually really given it a good fall of that. So cheers for lending that opportunity to me. <laughs> Hell yeah. No man, hell yeah! It's a, it's a, it's a question that stumps a lot of people, but then it it is cool to see. And uh, you know, I started this like two years ago, and some of the people I first interviewed on it, I'm already seeing them start to achieve their goals within the five year plan. So it's a really cool marker to like go back and check. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I message to future Kieran. I hope you haven't fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out that five second section and send it to you. Hell yeah, man. Well, yo, more than anything, man, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come here and, you know, lend a little more insight into your own personal life and things like that. And, uh, you know, I'll continue to be a viewer and a fan as well and hope that uh, I can continue to help in any way you need. And like I said, if you need to get get a hold of Pasha, hit me up and I'll take care of it. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. I really hope we can meet and train once lockdown's over and I can get out to America. That'd be cool. But yeah. Fucking such a genuine pleasure to talk to you, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
I appreciate it, man. So before we get out of here, can you just let people know where they can stay up to date with your own personal journey and, and uh, continue to follow, whether it's, you know, your YouTube page or Instagram and, you know, even your Patreon, I know you have. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, YouTube, Jimmy the Giant. Uh, Instagram, Jimmy the Giant UK. Patreon, Jimmy the Giant, I think. Basically, if you Google Jimmy the Giant, I think most stuff will come up. Spotify, Jimmy the Giant. Um, yeah, I, I, what was the last bit? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just yeah, just where they can follow you, you know, and we'll put it on the screen too. That's pretty. That's pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I think so. Um, there will be a website coming soon, so if you're interested in like the merch I was talking about a bit earlier, that'll be out most likely in the next few weeks. There'll be a website, um, so that'll probably be like oh, it's jimmythegiant.co.uk. I bought the domain the other day. Someone poached.com like in the last few months. Someone stole the domain. It sucks. If you're watching. I don't like you. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's pretty much me. Thanks so much. Oh, yeah. Yo, just just stay on the lookout because someone bought my domain when I hosted the MTV show and I didn't have TravisWong.com for 10 years. And I checked every year. And just three months ago, the guy slipped and didn't renew it. I got it for $11. Oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> he so, wasted all of that money yeah, all yeah. of those years. <laughs> just, just be on the lookout, dog. You may get your own domain back. That's amazing. Hell yeah. Hey guys. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, with that being said, guys, yo, please be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for a brand new Jamcast, interviewing influential members of the movement community like Mr. Jimmy the Giant himself. So with that being said, one more time, guys, I get a very, very special shout out to our guest this week. Thanks for coming through, man. Peace. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, coming at you, coming through, I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here on another Jamcast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace.